From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we are learning from our investment advisor representatives, Adam Morse and Janet Griffith. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the difference between stagflation and inflation? Well, if you're a smarty, maybe you do, but I sure didn't. Today, Adam and Janet discuss the history of stagflation and how it affects our economy today. Is it something to worry about or is it more a media buzzword? Find out today in another knowledge-packed episode of Keep It Simple. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Keep It Simple, each and every week. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can suggest a podcast episode topic by sending us an email at podcast at assetbuilder.com. You can always find the show notes for every episode at assetbuilder.com slash podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you're having a good one. Without further ado, let's get to the show. All right, so how are y'all doing today? Good. It's Friday. Has your face <laughs> melted off yet? Yes. It's brutal. <laughs> and it's only June. Yeah. That means it's going to be hot-ter in the summer, oh, doesn't yeah. it? Hot-ter. It's been absolutely brutal. And my house faces west. So if oh, you really? walk out the front door like after 11 a.m., just roasted. I'm going to have to restain my door like every two years. <clears throat> but that's okay. These are, these are not big problems. This is the life of... Texas. Mm-hmm. You know what else is hot? Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. What's that? The market. The market. It was a great <laughs> day today. Hot which today. We need. Amen. We, we will take it. Um, but I am excited. I think this was one of my favorite. Like I'll always love doing these with you guys, but the prep for them can be like taxing. Um, it's not my favorite part of it. I loved the prep for this. Yeah. Um, I did because I mean I learned something. You know, I learned, I was familiar with kind of the rough outline of what we're talking about and the, the idea of it, but the, the underlying kind of history, I was not as familiar as I should have been. And as I think a lot of us should have been. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that us talking about it will, I hope everybody else will have the same kind of reaction. Awesome. Yeah. Is it okay to admit on air that you didn't know some of this stuff? <laughs> oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to, we're going to go deep on it and I think, um, it'll, it'll be clear why it wasn't super obvious because this goes back to like the great depression right i mean yeah kind of the roots of of a lot of this goes back a long long way and it's important to understand the stuff huh miss janet that's right we learn from history we try not not to make the same mistakes and certainly a lot of mistakes have been made in the past uh which caused like adam mentioned the great depression which could have been uh, not as devastating if if the government would have handled things a little differently, perhaps. But by the way, Janet, I just noticed we are literally matching shoes, exact exact match. Oh my god! Oh my goodness! Wow! I mean, granted, my my it's, toenails aren't it's painted. Literally exactly. I love these shoes. The I exact love. same. I don't know. What, I don't know who that insults. I think it's me. <laughs> I think neither. No, but yeah, I actually got my husband to buy these. Also, yeah, these are Birkenstocks. Yeah. Is what it, they are. This is like a Friday yeah. evening for those wondering. Yeah. So it's not like I'm wearing like women's <laughs> dress shoes in the office or something. We're wearing we're wearing sandals. So it's it's acceptable. It's yeah. acceptable. It's acceptable. Yeah, on Fridays. Exactly. Um, anyway, Jared, kind of lay out for us yeah. what the, the 
ideas. We we hear a lot in the news about inflation, obviously, and we also hear a lot about stagflation, but oftentimes it's hard to tell the difference or why it's even important to know the difference. What is the difference? So um, we're going to let these two smart people in front of me Mm -hmm. explain uh, what the difference between inflation and stagflation is, and we're going to start with inflation. Ms. Janet, do you want to take inflation? Sure. For us? I mean, inflation, obviously we're experiencing that right now. Um, inflation is the rate of increase in prices over a period of time. So basically your dollar isn't going as far as it was. Normally we have a pretty steady rate of inflation, an upward trend, right? And that's normal. I mean, over the past several years, it's been between one and 2%. So, so this year we're at eight, three, something mm-hmm. like that. So it's significantly higher than it's been in many, many years. So, so it is something that our nation is grappling with right now. Yep. So. And inflation effect affects everything like all goods, right? It goods can. and services. Sure. It can. And I mean, it's measured in the aggregate. So, you know, we get like a CPI number, a consumer price index, but that number can be over influenced by certain things. Like right now we're seeing that mostly in the cost of energy, whether mostly gas and fuel. Um, and then also like the price of, of food and specifically meats and things like that. So not everything moves up as much, uh, but that's kind of how we feel it, right? It doesn't matter where the prices are going up. It just matters that prices are going up in general. Um, it costs more to live. So that's inflation. Stagflation is the idea of an inflationary environment, which is what Janet just outlined, but combined with a, an economy that is characterized by low growth um, and, and high unemployment. So it's really just defining those two things, the presence of inflation and also the presence of a contracting economy and high unemployment. Um, so that's really all stagflation is. And it was first coined, I want to say in the 70s, actually in the late 60s by um, a British parliament member. They saw it there first and he just kind of on a whim in the House of Commons kind of was referring to a stagnating market and just kind of threw out the term stagflation mm-hmm. and it caught on. Um, and so I think in, in terms of a, a good way to think about this, I think it'd be really helpful to kind of take a long look at where this kind of stemmed from mm-hmm. um, and then what led to it. And I think hopefully it can help inform, yep. <laughs> at least from our humble opinions, mm-hmm. where we how, are today. Yeah, where we are today and what yeah. we could learn from it and maybe how to yeah. improve things. Now, just quickly, um, is stagflation so like to define a recession, we have to be like, I guess it's like two quarters mm-hmm. go down two quarters officially, correct? Mm-hmm. So is there an official like m- number? way to de- like if unemployment is this number we're in stagflation or is no. it just sort of a, a nope. almost slang it, it's it's slang it's much more slang there's not a, a like it's not like two quarters of increasing unemployment rate or unemployment rate above six percent there's nothing like that it's just if we're seeing and again even like saying inflation is high well compared to what yeah mm-hmm. you know so five percent today would be high it's higher than that but even if it was five we'd probably still be saying man that's pretty high because it's been so low for so long mm-hmm. so it is very much just kind of a finger in the air type of mm-hmm. term it's it's a it's a loose term for sure makes perfect sense so, so do you want to start on the background yeah i think it'd be a good place to start um janet do you want to do you want to kind of take sure. us down memory lane so <laughs> So stagflation, like Adam said, was first coined in the 60s. And the 70s was uh, a time of multiple recession periods, right? Uh, 
pretty much the whole decade of the 70s and into the first two or three years of the 80s. So that's when this became um, a thing, right? We had high unemployment, we had inflation, and the growth rate of the economy was trending downward. So <clears throat> so that's exactly what happened. And I think what we, we have fear of that possibly happening in this environment mm-hmm. right now, but I think the, the overwhelming... Uh, difference is the unemployment rate is actually going down mm-hmm. this year yep. in comparison to to what happened in the 70s. I know the oil had a huge impact on the 70s, and that's part of our issue now as well, the oil prices. And yep. so. And just to kind of, I think, contextualize the, the mood back then, um, there actually created something called the misery index mm-hmm. out of the, the early 70s. And that was essentially... Um, inflation, the inflation rate plus the unemployment rate, right? And that was not a thing before the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And they kind of coined this because we hadn't seen this before, right? Um, and so it was not a good time. I mean, to kind of contextualize where we are today, we've had two quarters and we'll see what the third quarter brings us, but we've had two consecutive quarters of, of you know, downward trending markets. Um, they had five in the early 70s. That was mm-hmm. kind of what kicked this thing off. And <laughs> you, you could point to a lot of things. We could spend literally multiple episodes talking about what led to that and a lot of the policy decisions. Um, I think one that everybody would, a, a lot of people would probably remember, Nixon during this time, um, he was kind of coming off the heels of Lyndon Johnson. I know, Jared, you might know this because you're a big history guy, but Lyndon Johnson had a really big spending. I don't know what Hayes called a problem, but he was a spender from mm-hmm. a policy perspective. He was funding the Vietnam War. Um, he was funding the Great Society Plan. That was kind of what his mm-hmm. his platform was. Um, and then Nixon kind of inherited that that environment. And then we had the oil crisis hit, and we were just really poorly positioned to kind of respond to this. So Nixon made a decision that I think in hindsight was probably not the right one. He froze prices mm-hmm. and he froze wages for 90 days, like mm-hmm. by decree. So prices could, companies could not raise their prices. He had an import tariff. Um, to kind of stem stem prices increasing on on foreign goods, um, and that kind of had a terrible effect because mm-hmm. you really can't. It's still an open market system. It's still a free market system. You can't make these things go away. You can just kind of close your eyes and ignore them, which mm-hmm. is what that that was. But all that did was build up all this back pressure in the system. And the minute that ninety day freeze was off, it took off like a rocket ship mm-hmm. and started this whole thing. So. There were a lot of things that led us down that path, but you know, I, I think kind of as I was preparing, I was like, "Well, why? Why was that such a surprise? Right? Like, why it, they coined a new term for it, stagflation? Why? What about that scenario was so unique or so special that yep. that required them? You know, kind of coining this new term. Um, and this mm-hmm. is where, at least in in my my research and my studying of this. Um, of course, you know, as a, someone that studied finance, you learn economics and you take economics courses, but even, you know, at the universities I attended, you, you don't get a good right. deep background on the, the long-term history of economics, you know, going back multiple centuries and getting a trend. It was really just in the context of the modern economic system, which is almost purely Keynesian. Um, so I think we want to spend a few minutes talking about, um, what the assumptions of policymakers were and, and modern economists, which really dominated kind of the academic sphere during this time. I think that'd be a good way to spend a few mm-hmm. minutes. 
Yeah, cool. Because I don't know what Keynesian is or I guess who that is. <laughs> yeah. So Janet, kick us off. Okay. So Keynesian economics is based upon the study of a gentleman. His last name was Keynes. John so, Maynard. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, he he took the approach that, well, he looked back at the Great Depression and he faulted the government for their lack of involvement in early on in the Great Depression to to avoid that. Uh, we will talk about the um, the gold that backed up the money back then. And he instead of uh, injecting more money into the um, the economy, he reduced it, which which caused it to to become worse, a worse situation for the people. The top 1% of people held most of the wealth back then. So the wealth was not spread out and they started hoarding cash because what else happened? The banks blew mm-hmm. up, right? Mm-hmm. So, so thus cash was not even in the economy. So it's just, it was one thing after another and he held back on, on doing anything about it. And then Roosevelt came in and kind of did the opposite uh, which kind of helped eventually, and then then World War II obviously helped because we began to to uh, wars create prepare jobs. yeah prepare mm-hmm. our uh, troops and our armed forces for that and yep. build up and then obviously creating jobs and and more government spending so so it's you know it's like it's one of those things where you're you don't want a lot of government involvement, but sometimes you need it. And so what is that balance? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. And I think it's helpful to kind of put it in the context of what came before Keynesian economics, right? Because leading into the seventies, the reason stagflation was so surprising was because based on the way Keynes viewed the economy, it was really a binary system. There were two variables you were concerned about the employment rate or unemployment mm-hmm. and inflation. Those were the two variables to worry about. If you could control, and that's a demand side mm-hmm. kind of economic theory, not a supply side. So if you could control demand, then you, you could control the output of the economy and essentially ensure via spending that the economy would only go up, yep. right? So you could spend your way out. Now, this was a really big shift because prior to that, and this goes back to, you know, pre-capitalism, mm-hmm. this goes back to like monarchies back in, you know, mm-hmm. early England and, you know, in, in early Europe. Yep. Anytime they ran into either times of war, times of famine, times of what we would call a recession, their approach was much like probably what all of our approaches would be in your own household if you hit hard times, right? Mm -hmm. What do you do? You stop spending. Yeah. You tighten your belt. You you do all the things that, at least to me, seem to be commonsensical, right? You kind of just batten down the hatches and wait for better times to come. And of course, through that, you're trying to find ways to make those better times come around, but it's certainly not a time to start booking trips and buying cars and doing all these things. Mm-hmm. And so this was a really big shift, but it, it, it took over um, in the, in the forties, fifties and sixties, especially in academic circles. Like it was the only kind of economic theory. And of course this got into the policymakers heads. And so leading mm-hmm. into the seventies, the idea was, you could not, based on Keynesian economics, you could not have high inflation and high unemployment simultaneously. That was not part of the theory because those two mm-hmm. things were, were counterbalanced. That's rooted in this belief, and, I, and I'm getting to a point here, that's rooted <laughs> yeah. in this belief that if you could, in, you want inflation, inflation is good because if you have inflation, people won't want to hold on to their money They won't want to keep their cash. They won't want to save because it's being eroded by inflation. So they'll want to spend. 
and that spending will, well, yeah, but mainly spend that, that will, that will create economic activity and thereby create jobs and create growth and everyone wins. It's this never ending, just rocket ship. Right. And so again, how do you come to that, that conclusion if you're Keynes? Mm-hmm. And I think where it really boils down is he was the first economist. Get on that mic. Sorry. He was the, he was the first economist to look at these things on an aggregate level. Mm-hmm. So even now when they teach economics, it's still taught like in a more, like pre Keynesian, you had Austrian economics. That's the more traditional view. Mm-hmm. And Austrian economics is very much based on the, it's the study of how individuals behave. Mm-hmm. How do individuals make mm-hmm economic decisions, right? When we know there's a restricted supply, we know there's finite resources. How do individuals make decisions? And it was all based around the individual. Well, then Keynes comes along and he says, no, we're going to measure on the aggregate. So he's, he's looking at, you know, aggregate unemployment rates, aggregate spending, aggregate output levels from the economy. And that led him down this road, in my view, to, to make a mistake. He viewed it as I think that's a fundamental misunderstanding of why people spend. I don't, I've never once bought anything or spent any money because of inflation. Mm -hmm. Like that's not why I make purchasing or buying decisions or investing decisions. Typically I'm doing that because I need stuff or I want stuff or we want to do things. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that was the big shift. And ever since then that has become our default view on a, on a policy level, mm-hmm. on a, on a, a academic level in the economic world, that has become our default view is we have to spur growth by spending. We want to inflate. Now we'll get to kind of, there are some other arguments you can make as to why, but that's the important thing to understand. Um, aggregate demand could be controlled through inflation and government spending. So that was the shift that mm-hmm. took place. And that's why stagflation was so surprising because leading into that time, that couldn't happen. It wasn't in the model. So mm-hmm. when we see it, all of a sudden, economists and everyone are scrambling for an explanation as to, well, what the heck's going on? I thought this couldn't happen, right? And so, um, I mean, I, I don't want to jump forward, but I, I think you, you could you could make an argument that we haven't learned much <laughs> from that time because once that happened, in my view, that should have blown up the the whole model. Right. Well. You're wrong. We I mean, still clearly, use it, right? clearly it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But as we know from 2020 and 2008, mm-hmm. we have not learned anything. I mean, we still have to spend our way out of a crisis. Um, but that is essentially what led to, I think, the surprise of stagflation. Um, but I do think it's it's helpful to go back and look at, well, then what, what does cause it? We know that Keynes was wrong. We know that that can't happen. Uh-huh. So why? <laughs> right? And, and I think I have my view. Um, but I'd be interested in hearing Janet's on what you think the most likely kind of candidate would be. To cause stagflation? Well, I, I guess a better way to word that question would be if, if, if Keynesian theory doesn't account for a stagflationary environment, what's a better theory? Well, for me, I mean, the, thing, the, the common thread that seemed to run through his study was he really didn't have a lot of faith in the human population. I mean, he was like... They can't make a good decision. The average human is going to panic and they're not going to adjust accordingly. And I disagree with that. I mean, I have a lot of faith in 
and myself and my family and my friends to adjust when we need to. And, and we go through cycles. Our economy is always going through cycles. That's not unusual. You're going to have several years of a bountiful economy that is growing, followed by a recession period yep. over and over and over. Every few years, this is going to happen. The, the thing that we want to avoid is elongated periods of recession, right? So, so it's just a part of the cycle that we go through. We, you know, because companies are adjusting to what people are buying or not buying or, or how much they're willing to pay for something. So those adjustments are being made. And, and I have faith in that system. I have faith in the markets and the economy that, that it can correct itself. I don't disagree that there shouldn't be any government involvement if needed, but just think we have to be careful about what that is. I mean, obviously the huge spending policy that Biden is, has in place has helped mm. cause the situation we're in. So, mm. I mean, a huge government spending is not the answer either. Yeah. So, and, I mean, it's not like all government spending. It's like, well, are we spending to try to spend our way out of something? Right. Mm -hmm. right. I think that's the question. And I think the reason that I agree with you and the reason that I think that's, the assumption you're making is rooted in your belief is not in the economy as this amorphous right. thing that exists out there. Your belief is in humans. Right. Your belief is right. in the human spirit, right? Like I agree with you, bad times are going to come. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just kind of a worldview. You know, life can't be one long right. ride to the top. That's just right. never how it's going to be. We don't learn. We don't grow. We don't improve if it's always like that. That's right. right. And I think, so. and, and to be fair to Keynes and, and Keynesian economics or economists, the Great Depression, I wasn't there for it, but my grandparents, on my dad's side at least, grew up during the mm -hmm. Depression. And my grandparents on both sides clearly were largely products mm -hmm. of the impression that the, that the Depression made on everybody. It was clearly an awful, awful period right. of human history. I mean, right. a really hard time. And so I can understand his, his motives were good. He wanted to find a way to right. avoid ever having that happen again. So a credit to him, I'm not calling him a bad guy. Um, I just think there's a fundamental, like his, his basis of assumptions, everything mm -hmm. that grew out of that is, is flawed in my opinion. I think another really important element to this too is during this time, we were, we were slowly coming off the gold system, right? The gold mm -hmm. standard. And I think the you, you could argue back and forth. Well, did we inflate because we were getting off the gold standard or did we want to get off the gold standard so we could inflate? And mm -hmm. I don't know how you would answer that question. There's probably opinions on both sides, mm -hmm. but the fact of the matter is part of the reason you, you tie a currency to a commodity or to any finite resource is because it inherently restricts the amount by which you can inflate. Like that is why it has value. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Bitcoin from time to time in the office and on here. That's the whole idea is that it's, it's, constrained artificially in an mm -hmm. electronic way, but that's why it can function quote unquote as a currency. At least the protagonist of it would say that because it can be a finite thing. And so once you get away from tying a currency to a finite thing, you now have nothing constraining that growth mm -hmm. and every additional dollar you print devalues the worthiness of mm -hmm. every dollar that was printed before it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think it, we, we've just kind of gotten to this, the slippery slope. And I think, so I, I guess to get back to the original question, well, stagflation versus inflation is one worse or are they different? 
they're, they're kind of, I mean, they're kind of different, but I don't think the question is which one's worse because technically inflation since the seventies, we've, we've had inflation nonstop. There's never been a period of sustained deflation. Mm -hmm. So by the, the book definition of stagflation, every recession we've ever had since the seventies has technically been a stagflationary environment. Now, the degree to which we've had inflation has been different. Mm -hmm. So it was lower inflationary times and higher. But if your definition of stagflation is a recession or a market pullback along with inflation, then every recession we've had has mm -hmm. been a stagflationary environment. So I think that's mm -hmm. informative. Now, stagflation, I think, is partly just kind of this buzzword that, you know, looks flashy on TV right. and kind yep. of gets attention. But I think what I took away from studying this and, and researching it was, man, it, and kind of the the scary is a bad word to use but the 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 impactful part of it is we're seeing this in a lot of areas of society not just economics but this view of getting away from looking at the individual mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like individual responsibility for one individual identity for two um and, and I think it just leads to a whole different set of views in the world, a whole different set of assumptions about the world. Um, and, and I think we would be served well if we were to try to get back to that, mm -hmm. if it's at all possible. And who knows? It, mm -hmm. you know, these wheels are in motion at this point. But that was what I took away. It was, man, like we need to start thinking about individual humans because that's what this country was based on, right? It was laws based around the autonomy and the independence of the individual, mm -hmm. not a group of people. We don't act as a collective. You can yeah. pull trends out of a collective, but I don't make decisions based on what my collective is doing. I right. make decisions for myself. So I don't know that it was. Yeah. It just seems logical to me. I mean, we go uh, right now we're in an inflationary period. So all of us or many of us are, are looking at our spending, looking at areas. Do we really need to spend that much in that area? For me personally, I don't eat out as much. Now my grocery mm -hmm. bill is a little higher, but it's, it costs a lot to go out, especially if we take the whole family. So we aren't having those type of events as often as we used to. But, but you know, it's, it's just because I'm trying to be cautious. I mean, I still have a job. I can still make ends meet as many of us in this country are right now because people haven't lost their jobs. But a, a reactionary, a person should react accordingly and adjust their spending if yeah. necessary, which in turn, companies will make adjustments, whatever it is. Maybe they have to raise their prices. Maybe they have to cut back in production or change their services, you know, to, to adjust as well. And then we'll get through it. That's my opinion. Or maybe, or maybe companies that plan poorly will be, they'll have to pay that price. Right. Yeah. Companies, right. They've been that, companies a ride that plan and well not, and yeah. have a, have a war chest. Yeah. They will be rewarded. I mean, right. that's when I say individual responsibility, I, I really don't mean individuals, you know, Adam or Jared or Jan. I mean that. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Like let these, let the market Mm -hmm. do what the market's going to do. And that sounds harsh, but I truly don't think it is. I think what is harsh is making people feel like I need the government to get me through this. That is harsh right? because you are now taking autonomy and control away from the individual and mm -hmm. giving it to the government. And I don't mm -hmm. think that history tells us that never goes well. I think that's what, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, personal responsibility. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, the statistics on, you know, family savings rates in this country is 
disastrous, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that, you know, we were two months into the pandemic and I mean, people were literally out of money. That yeah. is scary, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and that's not the government's fault. That's no one's fault. That is, that is a societal failure that we've gotten away, I think, from this idea that, hey, like you need to be ready. You the need recession to take steps. is coming eventually, right? Eventually. So in during times of of growth and you have a good job and you're making good money, you need to make sure you've got that savings built up because the recession will come, right? And mm-hmm. you could possibly lose your job. And if that comes and you've built up six months reserve, then you can make it till you find another job. So And as so, a citizenry, what a word. Citizenry. As a citizenry, I think <laughs> our attitude should be, I want to be prepared not only so I can help myself, but so I can help my community, so right. I can help my my fellow neighbor, right. everyone around me. That should be the attitude. Now, individually, I believe you should act as though no one's coming. Mm-hmm. You are responsible for you. Be ready. Right. But then if everyone takes that view, right? And and that's not, that is so hard nowadays. Trust me. I feel it. Like I'm on mm-hmm. social media. It, there's so much pressure to keep up and to look the way you're supposed to look and appear successful. I get all that, but man, we pay a big time price for playing that game. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. this inflation, we're seeing a reason, right? There's a reason the government, and I'm not trying to get super political, but there, there is a reason the government was so easily able to sell the idea that, Hey, and again, I don't care if you're right or left. Trump was the one that signed the bill. Mm-hmm. So make your assumptions about me all you want. I'm looking right at Trump going like, this was your decision. Right. Not, and that's traditionally what you would assume a more Demo- a Democrat president right. would do. Yeah, it, There's a reason that he was so easily able to go, we have to sign this bill. We have to sign this CARE Act because mm-hmm. people don't have money. The economy, like literally people will be out of their homes if we don't do this. That is, it shouldn't have gone down that easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, yeah. if, if we were better it, prepared. Yeah, I would say some of it is coming from a good place. I believe the act, the CARES Act, but I don't think the boundaries were were in place to protect the integrity of it, right? Yeah. I mean, any business could apply for a, a loan that was going to be written off, you know, yep. and, and this and that, whether they actually needed it or not, you mm-hmm. know, and then, then everybody under a certain income level received a check more than once, right? Mm-hmm. I saw that my children received checks. They didn't need it. They still had jobs, but they were just handed this extra money, you know, because we obviously counseled them to use it wisely, which they did. I was proud of them for that. But I mean, really? Why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> these programs are never going to be efficiently instituted. They're, it's too big. It's too hard. Right. There's too many people. Like, it's never going to be done smoothly or efficiently despite, right. and, and that's what it gets down to. It's not a judgment on the intentions of the people. It's right. a judgment on the uh, efficacy right. of the efficient. idea. Right. Yeah, it's just not efficient. So, so I think, so what, what do we take away from all that? And I think it's exactly what we've been talking about for the last, I've been ranting about for the last 10 minutes. I think keep your head down, worry about yourself, let common sense reign, mm-hmm. right? Let common sense reign, be smart, Keep your spending under control. Save money. Like right. that is the smartest thing you can do. Now invest, right? right? Inflation's high. You want to invest, but do the things that a responsible person would do. Make the next right decision. I mean, that's truly I, I think the best thing we can take away mm-hmm. from this is it's a good way we need we need to get away from this idea of like 
you know, someone else is going to come save me because that's what's leading us down this path. Ultimately, we have to be responsible for ourselves, everybody. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody should be, right. should be excluded Individuals, from that. entities, yep. groups. Exactly. Organizations, companies, everybody should be responsible and take us into the future, right? So you're saying so, you, you don't agree with Karl Marx is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't. Uh, surprising. Well, okay. you, you, I, you joke when you say that, but it, it's not like a foregone conclusion anymore that I would say, no, I don't. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people out there because what they would tell you is, well, I, I believe in what Marx really said, not the implementations of Marx that failed. Like that would be the right. Yeah. If you actually read Marx stuff, yeah, his stuff is good if we could just implement it correctly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And their argument would be, well, you got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. Well, eventually I want to see the omelet. Like I want to see an example of it working. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and I just, anyway, yeah, that's for another episode. But yeah. no, to answer your question, no, I do not believe, <laughs> I, I do not agree with Mark's approach. I think we should probably let the evidence tell us what works best. Anything else on this? No. It's a pretty good, good one. I like this one. Yeah. This was a fun one. Um, I hope for everybody else, but at least for me, selfishly, it was it was enlightening. It was cool. I actually zoned out listening. I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So Adam, so do Hit you me. think we will enter a stagflation period? Um I'm gonna say no. I don't. Um I, I think inflation will probably persist, but I am as uncomfortable as it is. I'm encouraged by the steadfastness mm-hmm. of the Fed's policy mm-hmm. thus far, um, and I think that we've probably been waiting too long. I think that's pro- probably why it's partly so painful, mm-hmm. is because we've gotten pretty sick as an economy, and we waited so long. We're gonna have to take a good bit of medicine to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as long as we stay down this path and we don't, you know lose our nerve. Um, and again, like if we can all hold each other up and support each other through it, I think future generations and the future of our economy will look that much brighter. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can get back to a little more rational, but I'm, I, I don't think it'll take as long as everyone's thinking. I've been doing this long enough that rarely does the worst case scenario actually happen. Right. Right. I mean, I think I have the odds on my side mm-hmm. with that, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Time will tell. Yeah. Time will tell. I agree. I don't think we're going to be in an extended recessionary period, but we don't know for sure. Right. So be prepared, be ready in case it happens. But yep. but I think there's some good indicators. And again, I believe in the human race. I believe in the United States yep. of America. So and I think we're going to be okay. On a corporate level, there's a lot of cash within these companies. So a lot of the companies mm-hmm. are pretty pretty healthy they're pretty sound mm-hmm. so it's not like companies are going to start going under and that's really when you reach high unemployment is when businesses right. can't can't get through the downturn then you start laying off and it's a kind of a runaway <clears> effect we need some airline pilots if anybody's looking for a job <laughs> oh, that, yeah that that story of y'all's trip a couple weeks ago that could be an episode of itself yeah <laughs> cancel flights so 18 hour drive through the night that's brutal mm-hmm. so anyway but wow yeah. all right cool well, let's end it there all i right. think so I enjoyed it. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jared. Thank you, Jared. See you next time. 
If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com. Thank you.